Welcome back to the Small Business Show. If you're enjoying, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. This week, I had the opportunity and pleasure of chatting with Dr. Baker, founder of the Business Hospital. Dr. Baker, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me. Certainly. We are super excited to have you. And Jeff, my co-host, thank you for joining us today as well. Yes, Lori, as always, it's a pleasure to, to be on this show with you. Definitely. I enjoy having you. I enjoy our conversation. So we are super, super excited to, to dive into your journey as an entrepreneur. But before we do, Dr. Baker, I want to rewind the clock just a bit. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to the days of junior high or high school. Okay. Think of a time when, say, an aunt or an uncle or even a mentor at school would ask you what it is you want to be when you grow up. What was the answer to that question for you? Well, for me, and my journey is typical of, of, of a lot of us that grew up in Detroit, Michigan, is that uh, you either was an athlete or you did music or you were an entertainer or you worked at the factory. You know, there wasn't a lot of visions for much at all. So <clears throat> for me, I was actually uh, getting chased from a bunch of neighborhood hoodlums and I outran them all and got home. And my grandmother, uh, Joyce E. Baker, was on the porch with a shotgun and told them to leave me alone. And I knew at that time that I was the fastest guy in the neighborhood. And that literally <laughs> led me right to sports. And so sports from that standpoint became the haven. So I, I've got, you know, books right now from elementary school that I wrote, little class projects saying that I would get drafted and, you know, I, I, I would play football for a really long time. And so the academic part of it was just a conduit in order to play the sport. So I got really good grades growing up, but it wasn't because I loved school. It was if I don't have grades and I don't pass my test, no one will give me a scholarship to play football. So football was uh, the conduit. And so that was in my mind. By the time I got to high school, um, not only was I really good at football, I was also really good in track. And so being all state in two sports, athletics was the driving force. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I can totally understand. Uh, you know, uh, first of all, I want to say I commend grandma. Mm -hmm. I wish my grandmother would have had a shotgun on the porch <laughs> at some point for me. <laughs> I wish. I wish. That's outstanding. No, and I can only imagine at that point you having that recognition. You know what? This is the direction that I want to head towards sports. Mm -hmm. So what was it for you that kind of sparked the journey or yeah, for where I am, is uh, it's actually gumbo. You know, it never was one particular thing. There's no singular event. I actually, when I went to, to high school, I went to a school called Detroit Cast Tech. It's very prominent in Detroit. We're very proud of it. Uh, it's the same school that Lily Tomlin, Diana Ross, Big Sean. I mean, I can go all day. It's the school that we've all gone to. And um, so there's a certain level of excellence that comes with that. And that was the introduction to academics, to achievement. And so, you know, we, it was nothing new for us to have six or seven valedictorians and they all go to Ivy League. That became exposure for us. So once you start crafting out what you want to do, I actually had a full scholarship to go to a business school in Japan. Mm. And I turned that down uh, because I couldn't play football in Japan. And so once again, even though my awareness and exposure 
was connected to academics and business, my heart and passion was still wrapped in, that, in the athletic world. And so I chose the University of Cincinnati uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, I went there, I played football there. And it was because their business school was the top five when I was coming out and I thought, well, that's the next best thing. It was in a city. So a city, a city, a city setting was more reminiscent of Detroit. And so I selected to go there and then things changed my first year. Um, I had a professor, Professor David Alexander, was a history teacher, <clears throat> and I struggled in his class mightily. And it was one of the few times I could not achieve at the at the level that I thought I should. You know, getting A's was a very simple thing. I actually wrote in one of my chapters of my first book, Common Sense, How Much Does It Cost? How easy letter getting is in school. It's a science, not that complicated. Show up every day, ask two questions, ask for help, you'll get an A. They cannot, they cannot fail you if you've given at least the effort. And if you combine that with marginal intelligence, you will get an A. And so in that case, I get to college and I'm struggling in Professor Alexander's class and I'm doing the same science that I knew worked my entire life and I couldn't figure it out. But what I liked about him was he challenged our thinking and I recognized that I actually didn't critically think well. And so until that time, what I said was I need to learn what this man has. So I switched my major from business to history and graduated with a history degree. And people said, well, what are you going to do with that? And I said, whatever I want, what I'm doing is learning how to think. So I need Professor Alexander's classes as much as I can. And the only way to do that is to have a history degree. And so I attribute a lot of my thinking today to that foundation. So business never left, but how I see business was birthed through that experience of history. It's interesting you say that, that critical thinking course. I remember that in college and, uh, Critical thinking is, is is something that's very much needed. And I was hearing that they were trying to take it out of the schools and, uh, and not have critical thinking. And it's funny how uh, I love your book. Um, you know, common sense, you know, the saying common sense is not common. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, a lot of life, common sense will get you far. Mm-hmm. Um, but people just don't want to think. They want to be told what to think and don't really want to leverage their own common sense so well, see, in that case you make a, a fantastic point i actually teach on this regularly in a lot of my keynotes or my leadership opportunities uh, my last book called uh, how to make good business decisions i spent a lot of time talking about metacognition and a lot of people have not heard about metacognition but it's the science of thinking about what you think about and so mm-hmm. what's unique about metacognition is that it doesn't exist in humans until you're in between 11 12 and 13 years old so if you have a child and you're like, what were you thinking, little Billy? Billy wasn't because he, his mind isn't even capable of doing so. And then when you look at the prefrontal cortex, that's not fully developed until your, your mid-20s. And the prefrontal cortex is responsible for all your decision-making mechanisms. So the reality is you're just stupid for a long time. A quarter of your life, you're dumb. And so you have to be taught how to think. And so if you remove the classic method of teaching thinking, now you have a problem. And so for me, that was an awakening for me as an 18 year old for someone to challenge thinking in a way that had never been done beforehand. And I said, that's what I need. Everything else is uh, it comes or is a tentacle from this aspect. And so that was the legitimate launch pad. How can we revert back to uh, those younger years instead of sitting up all night thinking about what you're thinking and thinking about why am I thinking about this and why am I thinking this way? I want to go back to when I was like six and I didn't have to think about thinking. (laughs) 
we can, right? It would be great if we could, but we can't do that, but it would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You know, on the podcast that I used to host, I would always ask the community to build that time machine so that we can all go back, you know? Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. the audience has yet to come up with it, but as soon as they do, I'll be sure to let you guys know. (laughs) I guess between that (laughs) and the fountain of youth, right? And immortality, we can run all of that in there together. There you go, there you go. No, but I I really appreciate how you explained how it was the templating of what you were doing throughout Mm -hmm. life that led you to the recognition of the lack of metacognition that was being used throughout Mm -hmm. life. It was, you know, okay, I can excel, I can succeed by doing this in a templated manner and continuing to do so, you know, and I'm a big one on batching and templating things and consistently teaching people how to do so. But I appreciate how you pulled out the recognition in yourself that that's what was preventing your ability to actually have any sort of strategic thinking going on. And that self-recognition is something else that's that's ridiculously important on this journey. If you don't take the time to step back and take a look at who you are and what it is you're doing on a regular basis, there's no way to propel yourself forward. You're just going to be stuck in that templated manner doing what you've been doing. Well, so, you've got a reality where what's inside of you will manifest at its maximum level, but only based on your skill set and exposure. So therefore, if you... You know, let, if, let me use an, uh, an athletic example. I tend to do that a lot. So you just have to accept my behavior. But in that case is that, you know, if you're a runner and you really enjoy running, it's who you are. You're going to run at a really good speed based on DNA and talent, based on what God gave you. But you don't hone that skill to someone tells you about angles and someone tells you about the body position and someone helps you with explosiveness through the regeneration and strengthening of your hips. So you've got these other things that accent whatever it is that you are. But until you gain exposure of that, you're going to do the best you can with what you have. And so you find out that that's the way that we all exist is that we only know to do what we can until someone shows you something different. Hence, the reason why it's important for experts to exist. It's important to reach out for resources. It's important to ask for help. It's important to ask questions. It's important to submerge yourself in something different so that your exposure can be increased. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. Now, how you took a different path than most people. Most people just follow the herd. And so you were like, okay, I see that history is going to be within my journey. I see that, you know, this is the path. And I'm I'm assuming I'm not sure I was going to say I'm sure, but I'll be misspeaking. Uh, I'm assuming you had naysayers. They were saying that's crazy. Why are you taking that? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you going this path? How did you navigate through that to stay focused to what your core beliefs were uh, versus everyone else giving you their opinion of what your path should be? Um, <clears throat> that's a really good question. That's never been asked in all of the meetings and interviews that I do in the keynotes. It's never been asked. That goes back to Professor uh, Alexander. Uh, the, the first point that he ever taught was never overlooked obvious. And you say, okay, what does that mean? Is that many of us are always looking for something else. I submit to you that uh, from an IQ standpoint, I chart really well. I never tell anyone that, but it's an actual fact. However, that is not what I, where I generate my activity or my business from. I actually generate my business, my special secret sauce, if you will, is that I just see the obvious stuff. 
But I only see the obvious stuff because no one's looking for the obvious stuff. They're looking for the stuff that isn't obvious. So you say, Doc, what are you talking about? Give me an example. It's like, all right, well, guess what? I need to lose weight. All right, well, eat less, move your body and go to sleep. Like, do that. And you will lose weight. Now, will you look like the person on the, on the magazine? Maybe not. But you will lose weight. Why? Because it's obvious that that would be the case. Right. If you want to know how to do something and get good at it, guess what? Do it all the time and you will get better. Right. So it, it's funny that these obvious solutions get missed all the time. So if we go back to diet, it's well, you should probably try the Atkins. You should probably cut out all the carbs. You should probably. What is all of that? That stuff's not obvious. Do Dr. The Baker, first. I need you. I need you to. I'll call you on three way. You and my trainer. <laughs> Take that. Take that trainer, Drew. No more burpees. The right. said no <laughs> more burpees. Well, look, look, I'll give you a great example because once again, they say, well, this guy is a business doctor. He's over here talking about the anatomy of, of the body. But if you look at a muscle skeleton, that's that red skeleton when you go into your doctor's office, mm -hmm. it has abs. It's just that there's fat on top of the abs. All you got to do is remove them and your abs will be there. So you don't have to do an exercise to get abs. You're born with them. Right. right? It's wow. a very obvious thing. So most things, even in business, is obvious. But we've been programmed, kind of like when you see the matrix, and he says, take this pill versus that pill. Now you can truly see what's going on. You're really just mm -hmm. showing obvious things. So I attribute that consciousness to Professor Alexander. So to answer your question, Jeff, is that what do you say to people that are naysayers or say you should do these things or those things? To me, I'm saying I'm doing what's obvious in a space based on the fact that I have enough exposure to understand all of the components inside of it. So therefore, what is commonsensical now is more superior to me because my range is broader and I can do the obvious move as opposed to trial and error, hoping that this new thing takes me to a place I've never been when neither one of them is something that I've experienced. This is logically so much sense. Yeah. Definitely. Success is a collection of small habits daily. You know, mm -hmm. and, and you have to focus on those obvious habits to make that a reality. But until they're habits, you're not going to see the success in that area. So no. Right. So, so I want to add to that because that's a wonderful point, Lori, is that, you know, we talk about habits. I tend to talk about muscle memory, mm -hmm. is that you're you're programming yourself to do something to where you can't not not do it. So let me say it in a different way is, you know, an amateur does things until they get it right. A professional does things to where they can't do it wrong. A lot of people call themselves professionals and they're not doing things right regularly. So it's an oxymoron. If it's in your muscle memory, you can't help but not to do it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No, that, That's a quote. Yeah, no, I appreciate that clarity. Mm -hmm. So please share about your practice now, Dr. Baker. Tell us all about the business hospital. The business hospital is something that came to my team and I because it was obvious. They're going right back to the point that we just made is I started this journey as a consultant. You know, I opened J.C. Baker and Associates and it was a management consulting company. And that was because I had worked in so many different corporations. I had been number one in five different industries in sales. My experience had allowed me to see so many diverse practices that I said, I can go out, share my knowledge, really help these companies expand the same way I've been doing for two decades. And we started to run into issues with, well, what's your specialty? How can you possibly help all of these companies? What's your niche? 
what's your target audience? What's your perfect? And I said, what is all of this? Like it, it felt like goo to me. I'm saying my job is to help businesses get better. Why can't that be what I do? Right. Just the old obvious reality. And it wasn't accepted in the market because consultants have a specific niche. Well, one day we were sitting down and just talking and, and you all won't know this. And maybe longer we go, you'll find out that I argue a lot and I go on rants a lot. There's things that just drive me up a pole. So I practice arguing daily. It could be about anything. And so you know, your favorite ice cream to LeBron versus Michael Jordan, I don't care. I will argue it. And so in this case, we're going off on a rant and we're arguing and we're pulling out different realities. And I said, look, businesses have no idea where to go when they're not doing well. But right now, if you didn't feel well, you get in your car, you go right to the hospital. If your dog wasn't doing well, you'd run right to the vet. And no matter what ailment that dog had, you take it to the vet. I said, well, why, do, why don't businesses have a place they can just go to? And so we started kicking names around. And it was like, we're just a hospital. And it was like, heck, you're a doctor. You got a PhD. You're a doctor as anybody else is. And I'm like, right. I said, well, heck, we'll invent the only business hospital in the world. And we did. And so from there, I own all the assets around it. We don't have a specialty. We don't have a scope of work. There are no milestones. We don't give references. There are no reviews. And people are like, well, uh, how do we review? I said, I don't know. Do you get reviews from your gynecologist? It just seems like a very inappropriate question you would ask that person, right? So don't ask me that. Just know that while we're doing an assessment and we're doing a diagnosis, either you know that I know something that you don't, and I've given you an inclination because I'm giving you answers that you've never had, but for some reason they feel right to you because you're lost in the wilderness and I'm giving you a path, or we don't. And so inside of that, we now are operating in 13 countries. I have 20 practitioners and 15 hospital wings that assist me with the business treatment. And so it is. it does not matter the size of company you have, what class of company, what industry you're in. We can come in, provide the assessment, do the diagnosis, and then offer you a treatment plan that's going to make you better. I absolutely love that. Absolutely love that because that is truly what small businesses need. And I love the evolution of your coming to that title because we as entrepreneurs, consultants, business consultants do struggle with one of those areas that you hit the nail on the head. You know, what is that specific specialty that we're supposed to niche down to if what we do is truly help businesses succeed? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so it is a difficult thing for, for consultants to actually niche down and come up with. So I love the way that that you expressed how that came about. And it is, it's the obvious solution, you know? So it's a hospital. That's what businesses require when they've gotten to a point where uh, it's, you know, and even the fact that you've expressed very much so in your title, who it is that you're helping. You're not helping startup entrepreneurs. You're helping those who have established their practice and are looking to move forward there's something not working oh. something not right something we're literally helping them all like when mm -hmm. i tell you we're helping them all i mean i'll give you some examples of that we actually spend more time in the startup space than any place um and that's not by design um we help individuals we've got athletes especially now that the new name image and likeness and non-fungible tokens exist well their persons are businesses now and so and not not, not just now they've always been uh, mm -hmm. entertainers are the same 
So let me explain to you where the real evolution has gone and why I had to actually invent an industry that no one else can participate in unless they owe me all the rights and royalties for participating because we did the right things by securing it, is that if you got shot right now with a gun and, you know, and you're living, you're breathing, but you're shot, you're getting rushed to the hospital. If you pass out in the kitchen for some unknown reason, you're getting rushed to the hospital. If you've been sick for three days and you can't seem to shake it, you're going to the hospital. If you cut your arm, you're going to the hospital. So what's my point? The hospital has no idea who's going to walk in there. They, their goal is to treat them. And if they can't treat them on site, they're going to send them to where they can get treatment because they're going to give them the answer. We exist the same way. So my model is awesome and garbage simultaneously. And you're like, why is it garbage? Because we don't solicit so because we don't solicit and we don't have a, it's whatever comes into our door on a daily basis is what we take. So we have to be good with, OK, who are you? What do you have? What are you trying to accomplish? So if you are a startup, a startup founder, we're going to look at everything from how your company is structured. Uh, do you have investment worthiness? Can you pass due diligence? What's your fundraising mechanisms? What about your concept? Does that need to be enhanced? What are your internal controls? Can you build the team out or not? Are you funded appropriately? What about a pro forma? Have you looked at your three-year assumptions? We're going to go into all of that. But let's say you're an established business and you're trying to get more market share. Well, we're going to look at your, your leadership. We're going to look at your top te uh, member team. We're going to look at how your products are deployed, your distribution channels. What are the ways that you generate revenue? How do you differentiate yourself? We're going to go into all of that. If you are a large conglomerate, we're going to look at what new things can you deploy that will eat your market share up against your competitor, what was the thing that allowed you to get where you are for the last 100 years, but what will propel you for the next 100 based on new technology, emerging information, on and on and on. So in that case, my day literally looks like neuromorphic computing and T-shirts or electromagnetic radiation and apple pie. And it's everything <laughs> wow. in between. So you're really looking at business structure and revenue models. That's is, one is part. Or we're looking at bad behavior. Or we're looking at improper position of product or we're looking at legalities. I mean, my 15 hospital wings, one is legal. We're going to look at to make sure that you're, you're structured appropriately. But it's also commercialization. It's also marketing. It's also uh, strategic partnerships. It's also alignment. It's also viability. Should you even exist? How much runway should you even have? We're looking literally for an example. I'm working with 982 manufacturing companies in Brazil. I teach them all in Portuguese because I have a Latino wing and everything that I'm teaching them is all in supply chain. So we're enhancing their clarification of goals, how to position their supply chain, how to hedge their businesses and how to exist and pivot through pandemic. Right? That has nothing to do with another patient of ours that's asking for $25 million to launch a new ETF with a different way of doing investments uh nationally inside of the dow i mean that's dramatically different very different and, got it right we've got the coolest patient we ever had was in colombia south america and it was a gold mine we actually built a gold mine wow they needed assistance <laughs> with the gold mine. i had no idea what the heck i was doing i was literally flying by the seat of my pants yeah but what i knew was traditional business i don't know the culture in colombia so when you start thinking about how do you deal with the politics, how do you deal with um, corruption? I mean, we're talking about moving actual minerals out of the ground, getting them to Florida, 
having them smelt it and move revenues back into that country, dealing with human capital, where the laws there around human capital is significantly different. Ms. Lori wow. Lefkowitz. But that's significantly different. So when we talk about being a hospital, we had to treat Columbia the same way we treat uh, a mom and pop shop in Ohio. That's very interesting right there. Wow. You know, so when we talk about, you know, how do we look at business? We do business differently because there legitimately is no scope of work. We don't have a product to offer. We're not saying okay. use our flipper tripper 1000 or, you know, our system of doing things. It's what do you think the issue is? Let us give you a diagnosis. And then in that diagnosis, we'll go ahead and find out what things you're missing that you should be paying attention to. And then we're going to help you implement that. We're not just going to leave you alone to go figure that out. Yeah. And that's interesting because, you know, in marketing, you know, one of our things is if you're marketing to everybody, you're marketing to no one. And once again, you went off the beaten path and said, no, we're marketing to everyone. Basically, everyone can come in and we we find a solution based on whoever comes in versus we specify who our target audience is. And then we go out only to that target audience with a specific solution uh, for a specific pain. So that's well, in that point. I'm glad you said that, because when you say if you're marketing everyone, you're marketing to no one. I have been told that for five and a half years now. Yeah. And I said, well, guess what? I don't even market. So because I don't market, guess what? That doesn't even apply to me. And they said, well, how do you get your business? So I get my business by getting my business. And they don't understand that. Mm -hmm. You say, well, how don't you understand that? Because we're in such a digital world because we're dealing with social media. We're dealing with, uh, you know, digital assets and commercialization. The belief system is that you have to have that. Okay. Well, I, I'll give you a secret here. Facebook didn't get big because they use social media. They created social media in a way that Black Planet and MySpace didn't. So they didn't use Black Planet and MySpace to promote Facebook. Facebook did something different. And they did traditional business lines along with excessive amounts of dollars in order to push what they have. I mean, TikTok did the same thing. We actually know the people that created TikTok. We know where all their dollars came from. We know their entire journey, the history, the stuff that's secret that I'm not allowed to talk about. And oh, when yeah. you learn what they did, they didn't do anything of what it is we would commonly think they should have done. Okay. Right. Now, and so in that case, we know that and we say, look. Let's do the obvious things, but based on your understanding of the comprehensive nature of business, because those things become the new version of common sense because your understanding is higher. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing that I always um, try to, to, to relay to clients that there's always, I, I use the analogy of the Wizard of Oz, there's always a wizard behind that curtain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what you see is not what it really is. And, and you know, everybody looks at, well, I want to be like this company. I want to do it like that company. But they don't understand that the real secret sauce is not being pro uh, provided. And you're just seeing the surface level. And so you're making these assumptions based on what you think they did. Mm -hmm. um, and that what really happens. And that happens a lot in small business. I mean, small businesses might look at Amazon or they might look at Home Depot or they might look at these bigger corporations and say, well, I need to do this. Like, for instance, let's just use advertisement. I need to advertise 
with Facebook or Google because these large companies do. But what they don't realize, these larger companies, first of all, have larger budgets. So mm-hmm. they have a lot of, of, of things that they can do a small business cannot. Second of all, they have investors. They have lo- use or lose money quarterly. Mm-hmm. So they have to spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a quarter mm-hmm. to where a small business, you're spending what you, you live off of. Mm-hmm. It's a little different. You know, uh, I mean, if you were to give me a million dollars and say you got to spend it by the end of the year, I don't care what you're spending on. I don't even care if you make a return. You just need to show that you're being a good steward of the money. I could do a whole lot of things. I'm mm-hmm. only tell you what works. I'm not telling you what didn't work, all the things that didn't work. And, you know, if you're comparing yourself to me, you're going to say, well, they're doing this, this and this. You don't even know the whole story. So it, I love that obvious thing. I wish you could have got the Captain Obvious. You know, I love that commercial, too. <laughs> I guess you're going to have to have something different with that cap, cap, uh, Captain Common Sense or something like mm-hmm. that. But I love that obvious approach because that is the thing that you're right. A lot of us run from. It's like it's, it's right in your face. It's obvious. But we want to complicate things because it can't be that simple. Well, you've made uh, a myriad of points that I'm in full agreement with. And I'm not in agreement with them because it's subjective. I'm in agreement with them because it's flat out right. You know, we live in a time where things aren't right and wrong anymore. Everything is about how you feel. And that's actually not right either. But that's kind of where we are. But the reason why I'm saying it's right is that let's take a basic apparel company. And we actually have one inside of our umbrella that we manufacture apparel through actually Corey Blunt, the former NBA player, played a long time, Bulls, Lakers. So he's had that company now 16 years. We run that together, our strategic partners. And in that case, you know, one thing I tell people is that if you were to go create an apparel company, Mm -hmm. the advantages that Corey has that you have are different. Yeah. Just in network, just in understanding, just in operation, just an opportunity. All of those things are different. So we can't take an approach if we come to provide treatment to you as the same approach. What we did here at Graduate, which is the name of Corey's company, we can't say this is what we did at Graduate. This is what you should do. Yeah, Yeah. but Corey can also call Michael Jordan. He'll pick the phone up. He can call Shaq and Shaq will pick the phone up. That's true. Right. So you call Michael. You can't call Michael Jordan. You just can't do it. You can't call Magic Johnson, whereas Corey has those types of relationships. Well, what's the point of that? The point of me saying is that the way we would structure around him is different than how we would structure around you. That is an obvious difference. You know, if we have global manufacturing and intellectual property around our manufacturing and you don't and you have to print on someone else's label, those are two completely different operations. So I can't recycle solutions. But what you find is that that's what people see and they do because they literally don't know any better, which goes back to original point. You do the best you have with what you know, and then you're grasping for understanding in some of these places. And that's why it's important to know where does your help come from and what does that help look like and how much of that are you exploring? You know, for me, I know what I'm an expert in and I am a legitimate expert in some aspects. When it comes to business and leadership, I am truly an expert, not because I say that I am, but because 25 years of work, my six books, including two textbooks, and my PhD says so. We've done work literally around the world, and we've been successful at it. However, I know what I'm garbage at as well, and I avoid things that I'm garbage at, like the plague, hence the reason why 
I've got 15 hospital wings and 20 other practitioners help me in ways that I'm not great at. And we have to that's understand. A great point. Yeah, that's a great point. And a lot of times, you know, that's something that a lot of businesses struggle with, especially uh, smaller businesses or control based businesses. They they want to focus on control of it all. Mm-hmm. And there's there's things you're not good at. Just admit it. I mean, there's things you're not good at and you should have team members that are good at that and you leverage their expertise in it. And then you focus on what you are good at. And a lot of times I found when I uh, consult with with clients, they focus so much on what they're not good at Mm -hmm. and then just ignore what they're good at. And they're like, well, we got to fix this. We got to fix this. And I love what you're saying. So, for instance, if somebody is generating business in a way that's something as simple as walking outside, talking to people that's walking down the street. Mm -hmm. Then why focus on digital marketing? This is working. Mm-hmm. It's been working, but it's like, no, we don't need to do that because everybody's doing digital marketing. See, we once, again, once again, though, and this is an obvious point, working is subjective. You say, why? If I go back to Lori's point as it relates to startups, every startup I've seen, and I work with multiple accelerators uh, throughout the country. I work with some community action agencies that also launch companies. And in this case, every single one of them have the mentality of this is going to be the next big thing. This is going to be the next big thing. And I always tell them, what's wrong with making like 70 grand and like having a home and a family and sending your kids to college, but you did it on your terms with the company you created and you yeah. did it for 25 years. No yeah. one sees that as success. You know, what, you know, what if you could make 50 grand, but only work 25 hours a week and have a better quality of life? Yes, you'll drive, uh, uh, you know, a, a Malibu and you'll, you know, and maybe you'll have a two bedroom. But simultaneously, you may not have a lot of debt and you may have the opportunity to do other things that you want to do. Would you consider that to be successful? And you have to reprogram people to say, how are you defining any of this? Maybe what you're looking to create doesn't even carry enough for it to be that successful. Maybe you bump your head at one hundred and fifty thousand and that is the best you'll ever do based on what you selected. Would you be okay with that? And so in that case, when we're talking about what works versus what doesn't work, our psyche is fractured on what we think working is. And we have to reprogram that regularly. I love what you said with that, because that is so true. Um, the, 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 I guess you would say the uh, picture of success that we've been given mm-hmm. and what success really is, it's amazing how many of us are successful and don't even know it. I mean, we're mm-hmm. actually living a successful lifestyle but we're comparing ourselves to these multimillionaires and billionaires. But at the same sense, we don't even know what their lifestyle is like, because like when you talk to somebody that is mega successful with a mega, let's say, fortune size company, they're, you know, heading this fortune size company. What most people don't realize is they're not enjoying that, though. They're always in meetings. They're always on this. They're always on that. They always got to, to, to have the shareholders you know, uh, uh, satisfied and so forth and so on. So, yeah, they're making millions of dollars, but their family's enjoying the millions of dollars. They're always on the road. They're not enjoying it. And then you're like, wow, that's not a lifestyle that I'd want. That's not really successful. But like you said, you're making 70000 You're working on your own terms. You're doing something that you, that you love. You got a lot of free time. You're spending time with family. And you're like, yeah, but I'm not successful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know. I apologize, guys. 
I, I am. I am. And I apologize that I'm clearly having some sort of technical difficulties over here. My my iPad crashed on me, so I swapped over to the computer at this point. So I thank Zoom for continuing the recording and allowing for the two of you to continue the call and for me to be able to pop back in here. So my apologies for that technical glitch, but I definitely wanted to to just kind of chime in and, and mention that I, I loved what you were saying, Dr. Baker, because defining your own level of success is one of the first steps that people really should be taking when venturing into entrepreneurship. And it's one of the things that I really do talk to my clients about heavily when we start working together, because I need to know what it is you're attempting to accomplish mm -hmm. and what it is you define as your level of success before I can help you even start to achieve that. We need to know what it is you're trying to get to before we can reverse engineer and build out the roadmap to get you there. So definitely defining your own levels of success and having a good grasp of what that is and what that means to you is definitely somewhere that I suggest most people start with their own journey. So, but again, my apologies for the interruption there. My apologies that we're, we're now in, in photo mode over here. So <laughs> well, <laughs> that's okay. My avatar can speak for me for the remainder of this. Again, my apologies, Dr. Baker. But no, no worries at all. No. We were just fine. We were still hitting really good points that I think that can never be overstated. We have to touch okay. on that because failure exudes from that. You understand that if you actually achieved a goal and didn't think you did, you didn't receive it as failure. And then ultimately you fail. And so for us, one of the things that we focus on is reducing uh, business morbidity. You know, there's 134,000 new businesses a day that are created. It's a real number. And 42% of them fail within the first six months. So that means there's a lot of dreams and a lot of hopes that are being punched in the face and slapped around when really they could have kept going if they understood what their mechanisms of success were. You know what? I'm going to reframe that for just a bit because I, I actually disagree. I think businesses can you know, fall apart and no longer be in business, but I definitely wouldn't consider it a failure because no matter what, mm -hmm. that person learned something throughout the course of their business going under. So there's no such thing as fa failure. There's only feedback. And as long as you gain that feedback in any instance, no matter what it is, I don't think anything can truly fail. Well, what you're talking about is the position of perseverance. And so therefore, it's how you perceive a thing. So therefore, if you go into something and you say, OK, I want what I think is success in this reality is this. Number one becomes what told you that whatever it is that you set out to be the goal was actually realistic at all in the first place. And what should you have done? I'll give you an example. There was a sports franchise that was a patient of ours a few years back. They were in one of the minor leagues. And we knew that they were not going to exist longer than two years. Once we did our assessment, we said, you've got a two-year runway max. If you do anything past this, all you're going to do is dump hundreds of thousands of dollars into a team that will not be able to ever self-sufficiently run. You'll never generate revenue. Well, in their minds, they thought they were going to create something that was really large. If they don't get that feedback based on legitimate information and they jump into that market in year one, they crater 
and they have no understanding of why they cratered and then they never jump back into that industry, that is a pure failure. However, they still can take, well, the lesson we learned from this is this and this and this, and then we take that and we put it into something else. Okay, great. So you took your negative in the failure and you made that a positive. However, they never knew and would not have known, subjectively not have known, maybe they could have stumbled upon it, but nothing about their previous behavior declared that they would have known what would have caused them to fail. So because of that, it's how do I know what's realistic and what isn't? So some failures, and I think we all can attest to this in our life, some failures are just flat out, I fell on my face and there's nothing I can do from it. That's just money gone or that's just an experience that I had and it hurt. Right. But then you've got other scenarios where you're like, whoa, I'm glad I did that because now I can see in real time what that did for me, how to leverage it and make that thing a positive. And what see, we know about businesses, a lot of times businesses, especially with the psyche of the human mind, is that they go to do a business and it doesn't turn out the way that they had it pictured. It ruins their ability to do it again. It ruins their ability to have confidence in the corporate world. And it literally damages the psyche of people when they don't understand all of the mechanisms around the decision making. Mm. I I still feel as though perspective wise, even if they've had that moment where they are, mm -hmm. you know, recognizing, okay, this is not going to succeed. They are still having that recognition and Absolutely. in and of itself, it's an, it's a learning moment. And so for me, what I always preach is there's no such thing as failure. There's mm -hmm. only feedback. So despite whether or not that business exists anymore, they've learned how not to operate within that business. They know that the actions that they took are not going to be successful actions in the future. Mm -hmm. So there may be a lack of success, but there's always learning. There's yeah, learning is always taking place if, if you literally have the right parameters around it. What's always yeah. funny to me, and we find this a lot in our treatment, is we'll say, have you tried this? They say, yeah, so we'll never do it again. It's not have you tried it, it's what did you do when you tried it? Yes. Right, so was it positioned appropriately? Was it funded appropriately? Did it have the right mindset going into it? You know, it, it's very much that, you know, once again, here I am being a, a dumb jock, but we go out here and you run a play, and sometimes the other team knows that play is coming. And sometimes you can overcome it with great athleticism, and other times it may not work, but that doesn't mean the play itself is bad. You pick a different scenario on a different time frame and even with a different player to run that same play. But in business, well, well, I tried that already and that doesn't work. And it's, well, do you understand the mechanisms around what you did? And I can always determine if you can't articulate it, you don't understand it. If I ask you how to tie your shoes, you better tell me how to tie your shoes. Or you, you might be able to do it, but you don't really understand it. And if you're going to execute something in your muscle memory and that you're going to have success with it, you better be able to articulate it. And that's a point that we get to is that you're talking about the mindset of people. You can properly articulate the mindset of failure. Not everyone can, which is why it's important for you to teach the mindset of failure. But make no mistake about it. I better recognize a failure as a failure and say I, that did not accomplish what we set out to do. We had a plan. Here's all the parameters that didn't work. What did we miss? How do we learn from it? Now we're going to go do it again and do it better or maybe in a different way. Now, Dr. Baker. I got to come at you. You said something about playbooks. You must have been talking about the Falcons and the Lions. But they obviously know the playbooks. <laughs> they obviously come out there and they know the playbooks. It's like, how in the world did they see this coming? 
But you're, you're talking, hey, you're actually no, don't digress. Um, I'm actually in works with some NFL teams now, helping them on a host of factors. And you're speaking to Lori's point. There's something called, and I don't know if you guys know it, but electromagnetic electromagnetic radiation is real. It is scientifically proven. It's literally the equivalent of the spirit or the energy of a person. So if you're a spiritual person, you call it the spirit. If you're just, you know, I believe in the universe and being, then it would just be energy. And then if it's scientific, it's electromagnetic radiation. But the point of me saying that is, is that your electromagnetic radiation has everything to do with the performance of your business. So if a person believes that they can get the business done and it genuinely is inside of them, that will exude. So when people, and I, you guys know this just inherently, you ever have a person come around and the moment they come around, everybody's upset or there's yep. a cloud that comes along with them. You're like, oh, here we go. Frank is walking in. Yep. Right. Yep. And then you got the reverse when someone everyone loves comes in and everything goes up. Right. Like, oh, man, Sarah here, you know, we're going to do it. Right. And you get all excited about it. That's the electromagnetic radiation. Well, with the lions, falcons, if you will, they perpetually have low radiation. So it's not what they're doing from a scheme standpoint. The moment they put the helmet on, things change and they don't feel the same. Well, that happens in businesses all day. If you think that playing the sport isn't an economic reality, it is. How much money is generated to a city? When LeBron James left Cleveland, it crippled their economy. Oh, yeah. Companies yeah. literally closed down. Restaurants closed. Retail went down. He went to L.A., it increased. Yeah. Right? Because the mentality of what happens around the sport. Right? So when you look at business, how you feel about it, how you view your failure, what you think about what you have to offer, what people are saying to you, which is why social media is good and garbage simultaneously. Because mm -hmm. you'll get that feedback and think you're nothing. Forgetting that these people are cattle. Like people yeah. think they make choices. Miss Lori, nobody's making a choice. You're like, yeah, they are. They're not. You buy what's on the shelf at the store because they programmed you to buy it. Yeah. You wouldn't even have a choice if they didn't make a buying decision to put it in aisle five. You would not have even known. Had nothing to do with you. Had everything to do with their margins. Same with the radio. Definitely. Perceived reality. It's actually the, the prereq to my actual consulting program. You know, uh, it's PRISM, Perceived Reality Inspires Successful Minds. And it's all about really making sure that your energy and your mindset are in the right place prior to venturing into figuring out what the actual plan is strategically for you to get to where it is you want to go. So perceived reality is definitely important and it, it plays a big part into lives or every, into all areas of life. Um, you know, that I think is, is thoroughly underestimated and often ignored when dealing with business. So the fact that you, you know, really pay attention to the perceived aspect of the businesses is exciting to me. I appreciate mm -hmm. that, that you brought that piece in. I'm curious, if you had the ability to go back, say, 10, 15 years and tell yourself just one thing, what do you think that would be? Nothing. Um, it's hard for me to tell myself something in that instance, uh, only because my walk and my path has been so intentional and deliberate. I didn't, you never know what the future is going to bring, but I know for a fact that I'm legitimately the culmination of every single experience from an intentional setting. So whether I was doing pharmaceutical sales or whether I was an athletic director at the University of Cincinnati, 
whether it's my personal relationships through marriage or all of that stuff literally is framing how we treat businesses. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, people are telling you things like, well, you know, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, what do you mean that can't be done? I just watched this person do this other thing over there that said that couldn't be done. So what's the difference? And so whether I look at it with a spiritual mind, you say, okay, well, I'm made in the image of the creator. That means I have the ability to create. But let's say I don't have a spiritual mind and I just look at it from a humanistic standpoint. I'm saying humans been creating things since time began. So the reality is you can do whatever it is you want to do as long as it's formatted appropriately and you have enough stick in order to see the thing through. Well, those are things that 10, 15 years ago became readily uh, evident to me and my trial and error thought process became even higher. I got to the point where I didn't care what I tried. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what money I lose. I don't care how anything works. The answer is yes, we're gonna figure this thing out and we're gonna take from it. So that was something that for me was how I decided to live my life throughout the rest of my years was I'm gonna be free in all of my decision-making. So I'm not really sure what I would tell my, you know, uh, myself 15 years ago because I'm actually manifesting everything I'd even thought 15 years ago. I think you did, though. I think mm-hmm. you did just answer that question because you would have told yourself 15 years ago to take notes and implement. Mm-hmm. So you did. You answered it. You okay. took notes and you implemented. And that's truly what you're doing today. So, no, I, I appreciate you you joining us and sharing your story. If you had the ability to wave a magic wand and mm-hmm. change anything at this point in your business, what do you feel like you would change? Um, we've got some projects on tap that we are really pushing to get done by Black Friday. Um, if I had a magic wand, I'd, I'd say I, I need to get those projects done. One of them has been <laughs> punching me in the nose for five years. And we're hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars in. We're really excited about it. It's called Pro Elite Training. We wrote a patent on how to train athletes through the metronome of music to increase rhythm, tempo, and pace. So your rhythm and tempo has never been quantified before, but we do everything to music. That's why military marches on cadence or you learn your ABCs through rhythm and rhyme. So we can teach your muscle memory how to dribble a ball, throw a three-punch combo, whatever it might be through rhythm. And so we've run into every snag, knick-knack issue that you could ever want developing this technology, but we're so close. We're right at the finish line. I want to wave a magic wand and put that into the universe. And then along with, uh, we've got a beard oil company that we own as well. And um, if you can't tell, we just do whatever we want. So any of my practitioners say, I got an idea. We just put wheels on it and go. So we've got a beard oil since we all got these beards. So I'm not allowed to cut my beard now. And um, we'll be launching that as well. And so uh, we want that to go well. We've got some really strong programming around it. And then we've got an automotive tool called Auto Wallet that uh, is going to reduce the buying cycle in the automotive industry and push people back into the dealerships and have more trust uh, with the dealership as opposed to the fear that they have. And uh, we've been sitting on this for about two years. And so we're looking to have that go into the world sometime around February or March. So that would be my magic wand is for me to get some of these projects of ours, you know, out of our belly, if you will, and into the world. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, hopefully we can speed up production on some of those for you and wave our own magic wand. 
<laughs> so, but I look forward to seeing all of those come into market. We look forward to hearing more from you and, and about your journey as an entrepreneur and as a doctor. We appreciate what you're doing for the small business community. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me today. I mean, I really enjoyed it. This reminds me of how we have dialogue all the time. I just believe that when you're transparent in your conversation, you can get smarter, you can get better, you can understand what people think, you can find solutions to the world, and you can make a, a difference in a meaningful way. Definitely. Yeah, that, that is going to be great. I, I can't wait to see that automotive thing. I, I've, uh, I know a lot of uh, people are, are looking forward to that. Yeah, um, they hate the dealers. They, they think they all yeah. got taco meat and gold chains and they're trying to stick them up for their wallet. And so we, we want to fix that reality. And so we've got a, a smart, slick thing that we invented that we're going to be showing the world soon. Cool. Oh, Keep yeah. me posted on that one. And the I beard. Order. I, my beard isn't like yours. I <laughs> I, I got to keep mine like small, but. Well, yeah. When Baysmore beard oil comes, you will know about that. That one has uh, that was closer to launching than the other two. But we're ready to give that to the world. And we've got some retailers already asking for it. So it'll be available almost everywhere from day one. Cool. Very cool. exciting. Mm -hmm. Dr. And, and, and the last question from me, you know, as a man, mm -hmm. as a man's man's man, mm -hmm. we don't go to the hospital. How do you get us to go to the hospital? You know, we'll be sick. No, we'll no, no. Jeff, you when you get cancer. And so yeah. guess what? That's typically when we see our businesses, when they can't figure out anything. They've tried everything on their own and they're like, look, we got three months to live. Typically, they run in there then. So the need is definitely present. It's, it's no Absolutely. question of the need. Yep. It's, we, we like preventative, but we deal with cancer mostly. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Makes sense. <laughs> Oh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. I truly appreciate it. And I appreciate the chuckles that you bring into the conversations. Dr. Baker, <laughs> you've been outstanding. And I truly appreciate you sharing your time, energy, and wisdom with the community. Please share the best way for our viewers to find you. Um, you can go to our website, which is just drbaker.us. Um, my email address is info at drbaker.us. Uh, we've got social media. Uh, I didn't, I've never looked at it. I've never been on Facebook. I've never been on Twitter, Instagram. So they tell me we have it and I just believe them. And so <laughs> you go into the business hospital, you'll probably find us there. I do have a LinkedIn and that's Dr. Baker as well. And the business hospital does have a LinkedIn page. I personally don't man it. And I think I've seen like three posts, but I do know that it's there. And so you can find us there as well, but mainly go to our website or through email. You can find us easily. Excellent. Well, I thank you again for sharing and for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks so much.